Well, my name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege now for my, um, what would it be now, 18th Easter Sunday to be preaching um, the same old thing. It's the funny thing about Easter, you know what I'm going to talk about, don't you? <laughs> In fact, some of you that just kind of come on Christmas and Easter, identify, man, because you hear the same two messages and over and over again, so I don't see why it's a you coming back over and over again. We preach the same thing every time, I guess. But we're glad, we're glad that you all are, are here. Um, uh, Easter is absolutely the best time for one to be able to make a decision for Jesus Christ, for one to be able to take a step out on faith, for one to be able to cross that line of decision and become a Christ follower, to become a Christian, to receive Christ, whatever kind of terminology you understand with all of that. And some of you have been attending for a while and You've been hearing the messages, you've been kind of sensing the Spirit, you may not know it's the Holy Spirit, you've been, you're kind of sensing that, and, and uh, today may be a really, really great day for you to step across that line uh, of faith and become a Christ follower today. And I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service to be able to respond to the message, to be able to respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which demands a response I'm going to give you an opportunity to be able to do that. Some of you have not been attending our church, but there's, there's, been, some, there's been some spiritual rumblings in your spirit, and, and um, you know, something needs to be changed. You don't really know what it is. You, you, you grew up in church, but you left. Your parents were Christians, or whatever it may be, and you just think just maybe Jesus may be what we need. Jesus may be what I need. I'm going to give an opportunity for you to be able to um, make a decision for Jesus Christ at the end of this service. And there are some of you here that just came because somebody promised you lunch, okay? And I get that. I'm okay with that. Uh, some good-looking girl invited you, and you'll go anywhere with a good-looking girl. I get that, okay? And, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're here because your parents drug you here, and uh, you're here because you want to call your mom this afternoon and say, hey, I was in church on Easter Sunday, uh, there could be a lot of reasons why you're here, and you're not really fired up at all about this Christian thing, and your, your arms aren't folded on the outside, but they probably are on the inside, and you're kind of closed off in your spirit. And I would ask for those people, and I know they're here because I was one of you for a long time, and I would ask that those people would, um, would you be open in your spirit today? Would you have your, your heart and mind just open? Would you not be closed off? Would, you, would your heart be open? Would your mind be open to the message that is going to be proclaimed to you today? Would, would, you, would, your, would your spirit be open to becoming a Christian today, even though you know some? That's supposed to be a joke. Nobody laughed at my joke. I know some Christians, and I wouldn't want to be like them. <laughs> even though you know some Christians, and even though your boss is a Christian, even though you grew up with Christians, that's not a very good memory. Even though your parents were Christians and you saw no Christianity out of them except on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, so you just think it's all a bunch of hooey. Even though you've had a bad church experience and some pastor was a nut and kind of burns you. Even though you watch on TV and you see these Evangelists, and they have the mansions and beamers and, and, and even though they're hypocrites in the church, would you be open in your spirit today? 
I know you've got pain. I know you've got unanswered questions. Your mom, your dad may have died early, and, 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 and uh, you're, they were prayed for, and they believed, and, and, and some pastor did something really weird and, and claimed their healing, and, and he's, they, they still died, you know. And you just think that is, how could there be a God? And I, you were abused when you were a child. And if there's a good God in heaven, why did he allow that? There's starving children all over the world. and I can't answer all those questions, and no one standing in my place today can, but I would, uh, even though you have those doubts today, I would ask that you'd be open in your spirit to this message in particular, because what is preached today can overcome every one of your doubts. Because what is preached today can make it in run around every single doubt. Because the foundations of Christianity are not the behavior of, their, of the followers. Foundations of Christianity are not, not this Bible. You know, there's, there's some different stuff in here, and there's some stuff that I can't even... That makes me sound like I'm a big guy that I can't even figure out. No, that I can't figure out. I'm a pastor, man. Foundations of Christianity aren't in Jesus' teachings as, as good as they were. Foundation of Christianity is not in the Ten Commandments or, or the Sermon on the Mount. Foundations of Christianity are not in the parables and the, the, the good stories that Jesus told and the good things that he taught. Foundations of Christianity aren't there. Foundation of Christianity is not the cross of Jesus Christ, not the foundations of Christianity. And can I tell you something that, that'll, that'll, that'll shake you a little bit, but you process this with me. Will you engage here and process this with me? The foundations of Christianity, not even Jesus. The foundations of Christianity are the resurrection of Jesus. That's the foundation of Christianity. Jesus taught a lot of good things. He said a lot of good things. He died a martyr's death, stays in the tomb. No big deal. Nobody would ever heard of him. See, the foundations of Christianity are not Jesus. The foundations of Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus. Christianity started not because Jesus said a lot of good things and taught a lot of things, not because Jesus died on the cross as necessary as that was. Christianity started because there was an empty tomb. That's what it comes down to. And what I want to be able to tell you this morning is there is only one explanation for this thing that we call Christianity. There's only one explanation for it. And that's he rose from the dead. No other explanation. And if he rose from the dead, if that is true, you must respond to that truth. If there was a man that lived one day that said, I will die and then I will be raised again, and he actually pulled it off, you've got to know what that guy said. You've got to listen to that guy. You're not being intellectually honest if you just give that guy a casual nod. If there was a guy who died and rose again, you are intellectually bound to consider who that person was. And take that person seriously. You just can't toss that person off. There is no absolute way that he said what he said and he did what he did and then he died and then if he did rise from the dead, you must, if you're intellectually honest, 
take that person seriously. Because it's the only explanation that we have for this thing that we call the church. And I'm not talking about the Nazarene, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, or whatever it is. I'm talking about the believers, the church that meets today and all over the world. You know, over one-third of the world today is meeting somewhere in his name. Over one-third of the world. They may be meeting in a church like this. Maybe they may be in Africa and sitting under a tree somewhere. But in languages that we do not understand and in countries that we cannot pronounce, they are meeting in the name of a little Jewish carpenter who was born of insignificant parents, who was born an illegitimate birth, who was born in a little two-bit town called Bethlehem that none of us would have heard of if it wasn't for his birth, that lived on a town that is literally on the other side of the tracks, raised in Nazareth, grew up as a carpenter, did not go public with his ministry until the last three years of his life, never traveled more than 30 miles from his hometown, and yet a third of the people will worship in his name today. Now, what's the reason for that? What's the explanation of that? Why could this person that never wrote a book, why can this person who we have no pictures of, why can this person that has never ever recorded a speech and we can be able to listen to him, how can that person, how can that person been so many universities started, so many hospitals started, so many causes, so many people are fed in his name, so many people are clothed in his name, of this little illegitimate baby born in a town that we would never have heard of. How can the calendar that this world goes by is set by his birth? How can that happen? There's only one explanation. He rose from the dead. And if somebody rises from the dead, you must take them serious. You cannot just... Nice sermon, Pastor. Nice sermon. You must take them serious or you're not intellectually honest. Caesar Augustus, some of us know that name. Now, if you were a history major, if you taught history in, in, in high school or college, you would know that name for several reasons. One of the reasons, he was a Roman emperor, and he was one of the greatest of all the Roman emperors. And he, he made so many improvements to the Roman Empire and so many advances in the Roman Empire, but nobody remembers those. They only remember him because he has a little part of the birth of this insignificant little Jewish carpenter. What's the reason for that? This book did not exist over 300 years after Jesus died. Before then, there were just little manuscripts that, that Matthew wrote and that Mark wrote and that Luke wrote and John wrote and Peter wrote and, and, and Paul wrote, and they got passed around from, from church to church, and people copied them, and they'd pass them around, and they'd mail them around, and by couriers, they would deliver them to other churches. And, and, and then finally, over 300 years after Jesus died, they put them together in, 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 in what we call the Bible, and it's nothing but a series of, of manuscripts. How did the church survive for over 300 years without this, 
without this thing that we understand to be the Bible. Unless something big time happened. How how, how did the, the little band of Christians not get stamped out by the Roman Empire? Nero fed them to the uh, lions. How did they not get stamped out by the Roman Empire? How, how, did, how did the Jews who thought, who thought the way, and that's what Christianity was called in the early months after Jesus died, the way, they thought it was a little cult off of Judaism and we've got to stamp it out. And, 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 and the Jews tried to be able to stamp it out and today there are far more Christians than there are Jews. What happened? What happened? There's all kinds of there's all kinds of way movements start. And somebody could say, well, you know, all kinds of movements just build up and, 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 and they just start on their own. And, you know, there's usually some kind of unrest that goes on and some kind of a, a leader comes and that leader's a really good communicator and says a lot of good ideas and a lot of good teachings and people say, yes, that's what I've been thinking all along. And, 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 and there he gets some followers and, and then eventually, eventually the leader will die. And, and his band of followers will, 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 will take his teachings and make sure that it's written down and, and put it in books and continue his teaching. Civil rights movement. That's exactly what happened with Dr. King. There was unrest in the black community and the blacks were not being treated uh, as they should be treated. And, and uh, here came a leader who could talk like no other leader could. And he became something of a hero, and, and, and it was a charismatic leader. And he, he said a lot of good things, and a lot of people in their spirits said yes. A lot of blacks, a lot of whites said yes. There was an old guard that, that had to re- literally be defeated, and he defeated them with a new radical idea, nonviolence. How good that would be if it was practiced today. But in 1968, he was murdered in Memphis. And these followers, you know when he was murdered in Memphis, you've seen that picture when he's in that hotel, when he was shot, you know who's right around him? Jesse Jackson's there. Jesse Jackson's standing there. Other people that we still know today, Andrew Young was standing there. Ralph Abernathy was was one of the leaders, still people that that carried on the movement and carried on the ideas. Jesus was nothing like that. Jesus didn't come in any time of unrest. There was no time of unrest. Yeah, I guess he was a good speaker and and said, said a lot of good things and all of that, but he wasn't bringing in any kind of a new movement or some new kingdom. In fact, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. He, he, he interpreted the Old Testament differently, but he said, you know, he wasn't doing away with the Old Testament. He says, I'm not going to do away with a jot and tittle of it. He didn't come with some brand new thing, some revolutionary thing. He wasn't some insurrectionist was, that was trying to overthrow or, or liberate some people or free some people. have anything to do with it. Nothing to do with it. And what was really weird about Jesus was his message was his message. You know, what his, <laughs> you know what his message was? 
His message was about himself. Think with me. His message was about himself. Dr. King's message was not about himself. Dr. King's message didn't want to be about himself because Dr. King knew whether it was by murder or whether it was by natural causes, he was going to die one day. And if he made this thing all about himself, then the movement would stop with him. But the weird and unbelievably astounding thing Jesus did is he made this movement about himself. And so in Matthew chapter 16, Peter asks and says, Something uh, Jesus asked Peter. said, who, who do you think that I am, Peter? And Peter says something like, like, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. The Son of the living God. And Jesus didn't say, oh, no, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't talk. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't say that. His message was about himself. In, in John chapter 1, John the Baptist said, Behold, here's the one that's going to teach us everything. Behold, here's the one that's going to explain how to be saved. No. He said, Behold, here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus made this about himself. Dr. King didn't make it about himself. Anybody who wants to start a movement doesn't make it about himself because they're going to die. And if they make it about themselves, when they die, the movement will stop. Lazarus, sisters came to Jesus, if if you'd only been here, John chapter 11, if you'd only been here, you could have done something. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. That's odd stuff, friend. People start talking like that today, we put them away. We put them away. One day, some of the followers says, can you show us the Father? John 14, 9. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He made this about himself. Nobody does that to start a movement because people will eventually die. And if you make the movement about yourself, when you die, it's gone. The movement is always about ideas. But you don't hear, you don't hear Jesus talking all the way through about ideas, as good as some of those things he said were. But he says things in John chapter 8. He says things like, I'm the light of the world. So when Jesus died, it was over. Because he had made it about him. There were no believers after the crucifixion. It was done. Read all of the, don't take my word for it. Read all of the Gospels. No one was waiting for this. No one believed it was coming. The only ones that even halfway believed were the Romans because the Romans remembered something like, you know, he said he may rise from the dead. You better get some guards there to go seal the tomb because... He said that, and some of these believers may come and steal the body, and so they can propagate that lie that he told. But you don't see any of his believers sitting around and just, oh, it's going to happen.
was done. What could have happened to make those people who were then unbelievers, were hiding behind locked doors, who, who thought it was all over? He said he was the Messiah. He said some good things, but I guess he was wrong. We saw him, we saw him crucified. What could have happened that would make those people who were then unbelievers turn around and believe again and then go out and be able to preach that he is risen? What could have happened? And I'm trying to tell you this morning that the only plausible explanation for this movement that had died with him, the only explanation that now one-third of all the people in the world are worshiping in his name, the only explanation for the calendar to be split between before Christ and after Christ, the only reason is something happened, friends. And that's why we're here today. What happened? Turn to John chapter 20 if you have your Bible. John chapter 20. We have Bibles that are close to most of the doors. Feel free to pop up there and get you one. John chapter 20. It's on 756 in, your, in the Bibles that are black in color and, and, and page uh, 1685 on the ones that are red. What happened? Early on the first day of the week. Think about it. <laughs> the, Jews, the Jews worshiped on Saturday. That's the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's Day. The Jews worship on Sabbath. But on the first day of the week, Sunday, was when he rose. And so Christian worship post-resurrection changed from thousands of years of Sabbath worship to now worshiping on the first day of the week. For all people who claim the name of Jesus, they worshiped on a different day. What, what, what had to happen to make them change their day of worship? It's in one of the commandments. Honor the Sabbath. What could have happened to make good and godly Jews who put their faith in Jesus change from worshiping on Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown to the first day of the week? How dramatic of a change of event that was. On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went out to the tomb. All four Gospels have women at the tomb first. Now, friends, that's unbelievable. The status of women in that time was so low, they weren't even allowed to testify in court because people didn't think you could believe what women said. And all four Gospels have women to be the first messengers of the empty tomb. Now, if there was any way John could have not mentioned that it was a woman, he'd have done it. Because it didn't help his case. It didn't help his case. If there was any way Matthew could have mentioned that it was not a woman... If there was any way Mark could have mentioned that it was not a woman, if there's any way Luke could have mentioned that it was not a woman, they'd have done it because they knew that would hurt their case. And say, oh, it's just, just some women. I mean, women can't even testify in court. 
The only reason Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John say that women went to the earth, found the tomb empty, women were the first ones that saw, is because women were the first ones that saw. Because <laughs> they would have changed the message if they could have. Because it hurt the credibility of the message. And I think it's interesting that Mary and some of the other women went to the tomb. Some of the other gospels say that, that they took they took spices with them to anoint the body. When, when Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea took the, took the body off of the cross, the only thing it says is they wrapped it in linen and put it in the tomb where no one had been laid. Now, what they were supposed to do was anoint it with oil, pounds and pounds of oil. But it was probably uh, getting late, and the Sabbath was getting really close, and you can't do anything on the Sabbath, so they just wrapped him up real quick and stuck him in there. But these women came... And you know women, they got to go back and correct the job the guys did, okay? And so they went <laughs> to finish the job because you know the guys didn't do it right. And so here are the women that go to the tomb, and they saw that the stone had been rolled away or removed or whatever your translation may say. You want to get into the original language a little bit? My wife worked three years to put me through seminary. There's a little bit of Greek that I learned. The word rolled away, if you want to get to the most literal definition of that word it's not like we see in pictures you got the opening of the tomb and the stone rolled away sitting right there it's that the stone was rolled away down the hill that's the most literal definition rolled away is okay but it's it's, it's a term of it's out of there it's not like we see in the pictures and they saw <clears throat> so she came running here's the first here's the first uh person that saw the empty tomb so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple other disciple would be John who's writing this to the other disciple and John very humble of himself said the one that Jesus loved okay and what did she say Christ is risen just as he said you remember how he taught us he's risen from the dead he is the messiah See, she wasn't a believer. It died with Jesus. She says, somebody stole the body. Resurrection did not even come into her mind. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. There are no believers after the crucifixion, friends. Get your mind wrapped around this. It was done. That's why the good news is the real good news. It was done. Because he had built this thing all around himself. And now he was dead. Messiahs don't die. So Mary says somebody stole him. And in fact, in another gospel, it's in, it's in Luke chapter 24. <laughs> the ladies go back. And they tell the other disciples that. And the, the, they, say, they say, your words sound like nonsense. They're, not, they're a bunch of believers, aren't they? But, of course, they were hearing from women. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to make light of that. It was just the, it was just the day and age. And there's no way, that, no way that a woman... It sounds like nonsense. Nonsense. 
Back to John. John chapter 3. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Other disciple would have been John, the writer of this manuscript. Verse 4. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. John had to put that in there by himself. <laughs> outran out, him. He, he bent over and he looked and saw the strips of linen, but he did not go in. Why didn't he go in? I don't know, man. I don't want to walk in a tomb where somebody has died either. I don't know. But Peter, bold, brash, stick his foot in the mouth, Peter, Peter always answering the questions in the gospel, whether it's addressed to him or not, Peter has no reverence for that tomb. He just goes, he went straight into the tomb. And listen to the detail. Listen to the detail. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate. Why would you make that up? Why would you include something like that unless you saw it? What does that have to do with making up a story about a resurrection of Jesus? That there was linen that was here and cloth that was there. Unless they saw it. Back again. Thank you. Finally, the other disciple. And did I tell you I won the race? I was there first. Did I tell you that? That's, that's what he said. I just, just in case you missed that, I won the race. Okay? Finally, the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went inside. And he saw. And he believed. He didn't believe because of the teaching. He didn't believe because of all the great parables. He didn't believe because of doing to others. He didn't believe because of the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't believe because of judge not. He didn't believe because of forgive others. He didn't believe because of the cross. He believed because he saw an empty tomb. He re-engaged. He got back into the game. His hope was renewed. Why? Because, boy, he said a lot of good things. And, and he, I, I just we're going, to, we're going to take this Sermon on the Mount teaching and we're going to take it all around the world. He said a lot. No. His, he re-engaged because there was an empty tomb. The only explanation possible for the rebirth of this thing called the Christian movement that once was that died with Jesus was the fact that something awesome must have happened. And John and Peter and the other disciples about 2 weeks later, 3 weeks at the most, went out preaching not the sermon on the mount. As good as that is, not do unto others, not judge not. They went out and preached, Jesus, who you killed, 
has been raised from the dead. That was their message. Go look at it through the book of Acts. You can just, you can just go say, listen, you cannot pass this stuff off. You cannot disregard this stuff. You've got to open the book of Acts. If this guy was who he says he was, you have to open the book of Acts and investigate this for yourself. You can't just pass it off. You can't just leave here and talk about the ball game tomorrow night. You can't just pass it off. If he, if he was who he says he was, you've got to take him seriously. Now, you can pass him off if you want to, and you can just call him a liar. And if you want to call him a liar, I would defend that. I would think that, that's, a, that's a plausible you can just say he just made, it's all just made up. But most people won't call Jesus a liar. They'll say, well, he's a good teacher. Nonsense. Good teachers don't lie. Good teachers don't claim to be God. If we had a teacher that comes to school elementary, they're standing up and saying, I'm the light of the world, we have, we have her in jail the next day. John and Peter and all the rest of them, they went preaching two and three weeks afterwards, to people who were right there, to the crowd who probably three weeks earlier shouted, crucify him! They preached basically a four-point sermon. <laughs> you know what they preached? Literally. You go, go in Acts 2 and 3 and look at it. Go in Acts 13 and see what Paul's first sermon was. They, this is what they preached. You killed him. But God raised him. I've seen him. Now say you're sorry. That was basically it. That was basically it. I mean, serious. Go look at it. You killed him. God raised him. I saw him. Now repent and believe. Now repent and be baptized. Friends, I'd love to hear a better explanation of why we are still meeting in the name of a little insignificant, illegitimately born from a little podunk town of Bethlehem, literally raised in a, whatever, what town do you consider the other side of the tracks? That's what Nazareth was. only ministered for three years, never traveled more than 30 miles outside of his hometown. And a third of the world's population meets in his name this morning. The only, the only explanation is what it says in the book of Acts. But God raised him from the dead. And friends, if God raised him from the dead... It demands a response from me and from you. You can't just go home and have dinner with your family and take pictures and have an Easter egg hunt. And as good as all that is, and we'll do that too. <laughs> You've got to come to grips with this if you're intellectually honest. There was a man who lived that died and rose again. What are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with him? Call him a liar. Call him a nut. Call him insane if you want. You could argue really good for both of those. But don't call him some good little teacher that said a lot of good things. He would not have it that way 
He forces you, as C.S. Lewis said, to call him a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. He forces you into that corner. How about it? How about it? Would you bow your heads, please? For some of you that um, with every ounce in your being right now is you're saying, I believe this, man. And you've never, you've never come forth with that belief. You've never gone public with that. You've never really told anybody. You, maybe you never really believed until this m- moment, this minute. And you understand, to be intellectually honest, you have to take this guy serious. And you're not just going to go home and have dinner. You know you've got to do something with Jesus. So I wonder how many this morning that, you know, you've never really made a statement of belief. You've never made a statement of faith. You've never really crossed the line of faith. You've never received Christ. You've never become a Christian. I don't know what kind of language you want to put with it. But you... You want to do it right now on Easter of 2015. And if there is one or two or more that want to do that, would you raise your hand right now? You want to cross that line of faith. You want to cross that line of faith right now. And so you raise, thank you, you raise your hand right now and say, I believe. I believe. I take you, thank you. I take you serious. Thank you. Two in the back. Thank you. Another one. Thank you. I believe. I thank you. Another one in the back. Thank you. I believe. I know I've got to take this person serious. Put your hands down, please. I'm going to ask one more time because... For 34 years, I sat just like you. I knew what I should do, but I wouldn't do it. And some of your hearts are beating really fast right now. And to lift that hand, it just seems like your arm weighs 100 pounds. But you know you need to do it. So I'm I'm, going to give you one more opportunity to not let this day pass and be able to say on Easter of 2015 was the day I became a Christian. It was a day I truly accepted the message of this one who rose from the dead. Let me give you one more opportunity. Any, any other hands? There's one right there. Thank you. You're not, you're not joining the church. You're, you're, not, you're not doing any of that. I just, you're just saying, I believe. And God sees that hand. Who cares if I see it? There's another one. Father, thank you for these five or six, I don't remember how many it was, raised their hand and are honest enough, intellectually honest enough to have to deal with this 
person of Jesus, your son. I pray now that they, they transfer all of their hope for salvation, all their hope of heaven away from anything they would do. They would transfer that to trust in Jesus and what he has done by his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus' name. Amen. Those that raise their hand at the end of this service, as other people are leaving, I'm going to be standing right here. And I'm going to ask you to take a step that's going to push you out of your comfort zone. But as everybody else is leaving, I'm going to ask you to come this way and talk to me. And I want to make an appointment with you this week. Because we got to talk about this, friends. This is big time stuff. And so I'm going to ask you to, to put shoe leather to your faith. And as, as everybody's moving this way, I'm going to ask you five or six or however many it was, I'm going to be sitting right here and I'm be waiting on you. The only thing I want to do is, is, is to make an appointment with you this week and let's talk about this thing. There's some other ones in here that really wanted to come, but you're skeptical and it's hard for you just to jump at the first thing. And, and for those people, I put my phone numbers up here. And you call this week. The top number is our office number. You can talk with Karen Cummins and, and she'll put you on my schedule. The bottom number is my cell number. I'll talk to you personally. And I'll meet you for a hamburger somewhere. And we'll talk this thing out because it's too serious not to. This is life and death. This is, this is somebody that was raised from the dead and you don't give him a second thought. We've got to talk about that. You've got to ask me your questions, and I can answer some, and I won't be able to answer all of them, and we'll be stumped together. But you've got to deal with this, friends.